This message was preached by Napa Preaching Pastor Corey DeForest. It is our hope and prayer that this message is a blessing to you and encourages your walk with Jesus to grow deeper. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon audio. Question. Have you ever had, not necessarily your best day, but a really great day followed by a really bad day? really bad day. Like maybe a really, not, I don't want to say like the best day because obviously if you have a bad part of that, you can no longer be the best day of your life, right? But just a really great day and maybe just riding on cloud nine and then all of a sudden some things just crumble and you're like, wow, this turned bad. Or maybe vice versa. Maybe it started out as a really bad day and turned into a great day and it was awesome. But it happened in the same day, the same idea. Well, that's basically Peter, <laughs> today, like as we look into Scripture, is Peter gets some news based off of his response to Jesus of having a really great day and then also having a really bad day. <laughs> and how fast, and I think that, that, that difference between the two, the difference of what happened in between reveals to us, reveals to us in, in our lives or ought to reveal that there's, that there's more to the day, because this is Peter's great confession of Jesus, understanding who he is. And I think for most of us, if not all of us who have professed Christ, feel like we go into our confession of Jesus as Lord and uh, the Son of God, we feel like we have a firm grasp on understanding of all that he is. Well, Peter, in his great day, also realizes he doesn't fully yet understand all of what is needed to know. And I think it is not something that's like, oh, again, Peter is always the, the butt of the joke of the disciples, but Peter is, he is bold, he is forward, he is excited about this journey that he is on with Jesus, and yet even in that journey, he fails, and he doesn't fully understand, and he's growing to understand, and Jesus rightfully deals with that. And it should also comfort us, right? Like it should comfort us that even the Peter, the rock that we see, that the kingdom is going to be built on as Jesus moves forward in his mission to the cross, is human and growing. And yet there's a big part because I think as we, as you read last week or were here last week and as Tony preached last week, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees forgot something in their journey along the way. They forgot the mission of God. They forgot the essence of the mission, not just what God was trying to do, but the how He was going to try and do it. And for the disciples, Jesus so desperately wants them because Jesus' time on earth is coming to a close soon, excuse me, because soon, um, he wants them not to forget just the mission, the, the destination. Don't, but he wants them to say, this is how we want to get there. This is what it's going to take to get there. You can't forget the ride. Like I think I've used the, the example multiple times, right? Like this is our lifelong journey. This is on the timeline of what God is doing in, until the final days. It's like this car ride, right? Like we, we know the destination. We know eternity will happen in the end. 
But how do we get there? How do we in the car ride get there? What is the feeling of the car ride? What is this, how do you take care of the car? How do you get the car to the destination? And that is important because a lot of people I think is just like, I believe in Jesus, I'm going to heaven, I don't have to worry about it. Jesus says, you absolutely have to worry about it. Don't slap my name on your ideology of what this looks like. I have an ideology of what this ought to look like. And you're not going to be perfect, but you also need to make sure we're on the same page. Make sure we're in the car together, going together. And that's what we see in in our Scripture this evening. As Peter, a big part of this is Peter's conversation with Jesus, because for Peter, he knows who Jesus is. We'll see that. But what Jesus wants him to understand is, is that I don't need you just to know who I am. I need you to emulate my way. I need you to, to truly and internally grasp with everything, which is going to take a lot of change. It's going to take a lot of time. It's going to take a lot of self-reflection and saying, maybe this isn't the right way. Maybe I haven't been going the right direction. Maybe I, I need to check myself in some areas because maybe I'm doing it more the way I think it needs to be done rather than the way Jesus wants it to be done and what that can accomplish. Because what Jesus tells us is doing it His way, the gates of hell have no chance and I love that. But we sometimes can fall into this idea that maybe we have it figured out, and I think we see Peter kind of figuring that maybe my way, the way I see it, the way I think it ought to be, maybe that will work, and Jesus says, you have no chance at that. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13, and we're going to go through the end of the chapter this evening. It says, now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, so he has moved out of the religious region. He has moved north of the Sea of Galilee into the pagan area. He asked his disciples, who do you say the Son of Man, who do they, who do the people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Jesus says, like, he just asked them, like, let's get a, an inventory here. Let's get, a, let's get a feel the temperature of what people are saying. Who do they kind of say? Who do you hear them kind of talking about? Is this, is this the one? Is this John, just John the Baptist? Is this this guy? Like, he's just trying to get the idea. And I love, I love this, the names that they kind of throw down, because I think it kind of helps us see that Jesus, but if you look at the names and look at the stories, Jesus wasn't always carrying a lamb over his shoulders. John the Baptist was not a... Uh, a quiet guy in reference to sin and righteousness, right? Jeremiah, not the quietest guy. Elijah, definitely not the quietest guy. It's like Jesus was coming in with some truth. And people were recognizing and trying to grasp with understanding who is this guy? Is it fulfillment? Is it what is God doing through this guy? He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Not what, not, no longer what do they say, but now that you've walked with me, now that you've talked with me, now that you've seen the things that I've done, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. 
And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Peter steps up. Peter says, I believe I know who you are. I believe I have been enlightened to understand truly who you are. He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. With this is is so many implications because Peter is tying this man into being so much of God's plan that he has promised for so long. A confession of this is is finally saying, you are beginning to understand who I am, Peter. To kind of, to kind of like, like to wrap it together, that's this idea, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, to not so succinctly, but to try to grasp the thought. It's saying Jesus, the one who, is, who, is, who in his power and authority is here to fulfill Israel's messianic hopes and gather his people under the reign of God while ultimately tied to his humble obedience and dependency upon his Father. So with the Christ, Peter is telling him, you are the one, the one promise that has been called and sent by God to bring his people together. And we can understand, as we've talked about over a few weeks, but that's only a partial. Jesus even kind of helped them understand as he reopened the, the doors far open. It's not just about the original people. It is bigger than that. But the mission is he is here to gather people. He is the hope for the hopeless. He is the light to those in, enslaved to darkness. He has come to gather them. But, and this is where Peter kind of even though he knows the words and understands, he thinks he understands them. To be the Son of God is to be fully under the submission of the will of the Father. Meaning, how Jesus does this is he is not a lone ranger. He is not this far-off guy trying to figure it out and do it on his own. That he, day by day, walks in the will to please the Father to do what he has been sent to do. And he will not... He will not go off that path, not because of anybody, not because his eyes have been opened to the thought of sitting in Jerusalem or sitting on the throne in Rome, the earthly throne he has no need for, and the path that he is calling his people as as he rounds them up, basically, right, as he calls them in. To gather his people is a far bigger mission to what he is to to do. And so Jesus, I think, in my mind, based off of other interactions, might not be true. But I think Jesus is like, okay, Peter, you're getting it. You're figuring it out. You're putting the things together. You're starting to understand. And Peter, this, the, you being able to confess this can only be by my Father's doing, that He is given over to you to understand fully what and who I am. 
as he says, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. You have not come to this conclusion on your own. Tying in with the, the things that you've seen, the experiences you've had, but also in listening and being, being able to hear what God is telling you. But my Father who is in heaven. So Peter, Jesus looks at Peter and says, You, Peter, on you is this rock and I will build my church. Uh, we know that there's ways to go with understanding the importance of Peter. I think some have made him far more important and some have discredited the importance of Peter. I think we should ought to find a little bit more middle ground in understanding Peter is important, but not as important as some. I think Jesus understands Peter, even though I will build my church upon the you, the rock, I know you are still going to make mistakes. I know you are still, have not fully understood all of and how much you, more you still have to grow. But, but if, the, if the gates of hell are going to be tear, torn down, after I leave, it will be through the people. And that people will be the church. That people will be on the mission that I have to understand that these gates that they, it has has no chance against me. I think Jesus, like his love for Peter and understanding of Peter, what Peter is doing and can do, is, is very important. But he must understand the keys and the kingdom of heaven, right? He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and what... Ever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. And this is where he tells them, you strictly charge the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Do not go around telling. Again, this just seems like counterproductive. But I think Jesus also understands telling people would be counterproductive. He understands that the timing is going to happen. Things are in place. My, my journey is somewhere as he finishes here, as he continues. And from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and the scribes and be killed on the third day, be raised. Like if you're a disciple, like let's put our, let's put our thoughts in, like, in, and you're thinking, how are you going to gather if you're going to die? How are you going to take on the, the, the gates of hell if even... The gates of Rome tear you down, or the gates of the temple will push you down. How, how do you think the gates of hell will ever be even touched if we can't even get through Jerusalem? You're telling us you're going to die. You're telling us that this is all going to come to an end. I think he has, Peter is going to have to figure out some things because he continues to say, and Peter took him aside. So nice of Peter. And began to rebuke him. Full stop. Nice of, nice of, uh, nice of Peter to Matthew 18 him, right? Like, we're going to get there. Like, we're going gonna, we're gonna to figure this out uh, on ourselves. We're going we're gonna to deal with this between the two of us first. And so, Jesus, I have something to tell you. This is not how this is going to plan out. Um, I, the culture that we're looking into here, 
a student never, let alone question or let alone rebuke his rabbi. This doesn't happen. Peter's about to have a really bad day. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. You have made a mistake, Peter. You have maybe bitten off a little bit more than you are ready to chew. Not that, I, not that Jesus is, I don't think Jesus is at all sorry that he has done what he has told Peter. On you I will build my church, right? Like I don't think he's like, oh, I wish I would have taken that back. I don't think you're actually ready. But I think he is telling Peter, you are mistaken. Because what you are telling, what you, the, the way you're seeing this play out, the, in your mind, you have grand schemes and maybe dreams of how this should play out and where you might be standing and where you might actually be sitting in this kingdom. And yes, this will be built upon you, but it won't be if you don't understand this. That victory is in death and resurrection. Because I don't see victory the same way you see victory. I'm not here for the same things you think are the most important. I haven't been sent to just reclaim the promised land. I'm not here to do it the way the world sees fit to do it. I'm not going to capture the hearts of people through war and, and injustice and do whatever it takes. I'm going to do it in a completely different way. And there will be death and resurrection in completely different ways. Peter oversteps. Jesus understands that the victory that God has sent him to do, where we may see as weak and faultful, Jesus says, is the ultimate victory. I have to die. This is the first of three times Jesus will tell them this that he must go to Jerusalem to be killed, but also to be raised. See, the, why things are, so, I think, so hard for us. Why it, it, It's such a like juxtaposition, because Peter sees death as a loss. He sees it as the world sees it. He's seeing it as not fully grasping the way of the mission. He doesn't see death as a part of the, the victory on that road trip to the ultimate throne. Yet Jesus says there's no way to the end without first death. Jesus says, he looks and he knows that the, first, the death that must happen is me, but there will become a time when that death will be you. And you must begin to see, you must be able to grasp, you must be able to internally, in your heart and in your mind, begin to transfer that thought, that, that train of thought. Because until we grasp it on the insides, until we are transformed by death being the victory, we may never begin to see as our the death to self is the way to victory. 
one of the commenters, commentators wrote, if Peter is to understand the wisdom of the cross, which he's failing to understand right now, he must set aside personal ambitions driven by natural inclinations and set his mind on the things of God. For Peter and the other disciples to emulate Jesus' sacrificial ministry, they, may, they must come to see his mission of suffering and death as a positive expression of God's will. They see death as a failure of the mission. And Jesus says it is victory. Because it's the only way, as we know now, as we get to see more of the full picture, we know that this death has to happen. Because what Jesus is after is not territory. And not just followers who say he is a good teacher rabbi. He is after hearts and ready to be transformed. By him and his way. It's why I think sometimes we deal with the idea of how, why communion looks why, weird, right? Why are you remembering the body and blood of Jesus every week? It's because we ought to see it as victory. It's weird to celebrate the death, but he said, no, no, no. We have to see it as the positive expression of God's will, that God won that day. And three days later, his ultimate victory. Man will be a part of his death. I think maybe for Peter, that's where he's like, I don't understand. You're bigger than the religious people. You have the power of the people on your side. Why would, how could they ever get to you? And Jesus says, that they'll be the ones also to, to cast me then to death. And so there's this, this opposition. He knows the right things. He, he, like Peter understands the words. He understands the title. You are the Christ, the Son of God. But Peter, as Jesus tells him, has failed to understand the pathway. The road to the victory. And so, again, Jesus being on mission is saying, I will not let anybody deter me from my mission. Not even you, Peter. None of the other 11. Because as the Son of God, I have to do the will of God. And the will of God is for me to go to the cross. And that is okay. There's a change. And this victory, I think, that Jesus is going to help us see in this last part and the part that like, is one, maybe one of the hardest for us as followers, for me as a follower, is not just realizing that Jesus' death was necessary, but to emulate and to be transformed by the, his death. What Jesus has asked and has required is not just to celebrate his death, but to receive our own He says, then Jesus told his disciples, if anybody would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. 
For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until the until they see the Son of Man coming in His kingdom. Jesus says, understand this. Like This is, this is where things are going to get heavy. This is where things are going to, we're going to turn it up a little bit. Because now as you have been following me, you've been seeing the things that I've been doing, you've been hearing the things that I've been saying, you have seen just by those, those metrics, things will still get heated at times because people are not going to be accepting of it. You've seen the scribes and the Pharisees, but you haven't really seen truly their intentions yet. You will see that day. You will see and understand the depths in which they will go to quiet you, to suppress you, to make sure you no longer try to proclaim the kingdom. But here's the path to victory. Here's the pathway as, of a, as a disciple of Jesus that we must take up on as much as we celebrate the path, the the victory of Jesus on the cross, we must accept the pathway of our discipleship. He says, the way of the disciple is this, to deny yourself. To deny self. Right, this, was, this is Philippians 2. Right, Jesus, although he is God, did not count himself as God. Right, he set that aside, humbled himself, put it to the side. Like the one person that I, I've said over and over and over again, the one person that I walked this earth that could say, hey, it's all about me, do what I say, was Jesus. Yes, somehow we turned around and we kind of get in our own minds that, that we are that, those people, right? It's all about me, do what I say. Like just, I, I joke about that all the time. Like if you just listen to me, your better, life would be better. Like Kristen's probably shaking her head. Like <laughs> say that all the time. If you just listen to me, your life would be so much better. Like, no, like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but Jesus says, deny yourself. Like, this is the pathway. Like the, like the world is telling, has always told you and always tell you, do what is best for you. Right now, right? Make sure you're most comfortable as possible. Do whatever you have to do. Jesus walking into Jerusalem knowing the cross is his end. Denies even the power to be able to get himself off of the cross because he doesn't see victory the way that the world sees victory. He doesn't see the way, ways of the world as, a way to, as the way to victory. And, he, and he's telling his disciples this as well. As you journey through the years without me, as you begin to feel the struggle, as you begin to see the issues, as people are condemning the teachings and you're standing and you go into the courts and they, and they tell you you cannot preach this gospel anymore, you have to somewhere in that, in that courtroom deny yourself. You have to understand and accept death has already happened in you and you must now go and live for the other. And they walk out, right, in Acts. And they meet and immediately begin to keep preaching. Jesus says, you must deny self. He tells you, you must pick up the cross. 
as the ultimate picture of the sacrificial love. Understanding Jesus didn't, the only person on earth that doesn't deserve to die was Jesus. Yet, he died for all. Jesus saying, I don't need you to pick up the literal crosses and understand that, that death is where it is, but you have to come to terms with this death thing. We really have to begin to grasp this death idea and where we are going with it and how are we moving with it, how are we loving and caring for others and what is the reasoning and purpose behind all of those things. And he says, and to follow Jesus towards, and I put it in towards the gates, because I think he is completing. Jesus is heading to Jerusalem, not just to show how victory and how powerful he is over just the religious. He just says, the gates of hell have no chance against me, and I'm about to bust into them and break them wide open. And so when you take that, understand that power as you go and you're following Jesus, you've denied yourself and you say, my life is on the altar for the purpose and will of God to be glorified and through the sacrificial love towards others, you are saying the world's ways have no power over me, that the world's ways are not the right ways, that I believe the ways that Jesus has exampled and shown for me is the right way. Ultimately, people will come to know him far more. One of the commentators also wrote this, and I thought this was just really good. It's a little bit longer, but so Jesus then addresses the disciples. And he insists that just as he orients his life around the cross, so the disciples are to orient their lives around the cross. In fact, it is incumbent upon all who would be a committed follower of Jesus, a disciple, to renounce self-oriented ambitions and personal interest and give absolutely priority to the doings of God's will. The ultimate expression of self-denial involves a willingness to emulate Jesus in the way of the cross, i.e. to embark upon a ministry of selfless devotion and service on behalf of others. Jesus' words are obviously descriptive of a lifestyle driven by a radically different worldview. He was not talking about minor inconveniences or enduring the common maladies of life. The metaphorical expression to take up one's cross graphically recalls the actions of a condemned man who must bear his cross to the place of ex execution. Jesus thus calls upon his followers to assume the, assume the mentality of a man who is already condemned to die rather than preserve one's life at any cost. Jesus' disciples must assume an attitude of self-denial voluntarily is surrendering his or her life for the sake of the kingdom, God's will. The sort of discipleship is not a matter of convenience, but a way of life that faithfully and humbly walks the same path of sacrificial devotion and service first walked by Jesus. See, this is where the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were not willing to go. They were willing to do the right things and call God by the right names, but the way God wanted his people to respond to these words and message was not to have further influence, 
or to preserve the life at any cost, but to die to self. To die to self. This is what we have to ask of ourselves. Is there any part of our life, is there any place where we look into our life where we've just said, I'm just not there yet. Just not, I I understand the, the mission. I understand the Christ, the Son of God. But maybe I've said, maybe I have, I, I think I understand a little bit better the path than Jesus. Maybe I, I have come into a little bit more in my understanding and my, my thoughts and process that I feel like I have a little bit better figured out that I can still do this without actually having to self-sacrifice this. Or the way that I feel like I'm loving this person is not actually what he's called me to do and how to do it. Or maybe whatever that way looks like. And that's, I believe that's what we see here. Peter understanding the title, but just beginning to understand the pathway. Just beginning to grasp that there's victory in death. And I think for me, I think for all of us as we grasp and try to grapple with this idea, I think we have to ask, is is that how we see victory? Do we see that there's victory in that today? And are we willing to live that out tomorrow? Are we willing to live that out each and every day to to deny self and to pick up the cross? And if we go towards the gates of the hell without those things, to use the we're gonna get burned. (laughs) We'll be without those two. We won't take the ground that we think we're taking. The victories that we think we're having are of no eternal significant victory because they will all be built on all the other things that are not built on what Jesus says, this is the pathway. This is the way for my people. This is the only way that he knows to be able to bring the world back together. It looks nothing like the rest of the world. Let's pray. Lord, I, I thank you. I thank you. And I, as I gra- just grapple with these words for myself, Lord, as I look into where I fail, where I have yet to give up, where I've tried to hold on to more and more, I think I, like Peter, have the plan better figured out than you do. And Lord, I know that's a process a work in progress. But Lord, I, I think the first step in whether we move forward with that is just being able to, to confess those words, not just with our mouths, but with our hearts. Do I, am I fully on board? Am I fully taken aback by this idea of seeing death as a good thing. I, I, I know for myself it is a, to see Jesus' death as a good thing. 
But each and every day, it's a little bit harder for, for me to see death to self as a positive route to go. And so, Lord, I ask, I ask for, and I confess, but I ask for help. I ask that the Spirit be moving in our lives, that we each and every day have an opportunity. And if we, we mess up, Lord, I know that we are faithful to forgive. You're faithful to continue to love. And we just go the next day. Lord, in each and every day, I just pray that we set this in the forefront of our minds, forefront of our hearts. Look at the ideas of denying self, taking up the cross, and following you. That's never a bad plan for the day. And Lord, I know, I know is that in those days where we spend time, set apart time to just put that at our forefront of our mind that the day will be different. The opportunities will expand. And God, you will be at work. For Lord, you in these words are telling us people are ready to see it. We just have to be on the same page with Lord, we, as we prepare to celebrate the death of your son, I pray that we, each and every person, sees it as a victory, as a good thing, as a necessary thing. And it, but it came at a price. And Lord, it's how we receive and understand that depth of love that we now can worship and celebrate and see it as the best way for us to emulate for ourselves. Lord, we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Christian Church Sermon Podcast. Please make sure to subscribe. And to find out more about Christian Church, please visit our website at cconline.cc or visit our YouTube page by searching Christian Church Warrington and Napa for more video content.